Welcome to Park Ave Baptist Church Podcast, a weekly broadcast of our Sunday sermon. I'm Darcy Jarrett, pastor of worship, advocacy, and arts. I'm Himra Chenault, pastor of community engagement and stewardship. And I'm Lanta Carroll, interim pastor of Families in Formation. Park Ave is a bold, inclusive, and creative community where everyone is welcome. We uplift voices and identities that are marginalized elsewhere. We affirm all ethnicities, racial identities, ages, socioeconomic groups, gender identities, and sexual orientations. Because we hold to a theology that refuses to other anyone. At Park Avenue, our leadership model is non-hierarchical. And we practice an open pulpit. Where you will hear a multiplicity of theologically trained voices from different backgrounds, and social locations. We don't just preach and talk about deconstructing systems and structures of power. We We practice it. Through this podcast, we hope you will be inspired, encouraged, and challenged. Listen Listen with with us now. Good morning, Park Avenue. Join me this morning as we start our new sermon series the stories we tell as we deconstruct and reconstruct scripture as we once looked at it to give you a different view, a different light of very familiar parables from Jesus Christ. Um, you may have received something out in the foyer where you can put notes. Um, hopefully I'll give you some jewels this morning to take home. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God, may the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, our strength, our redeemer. Let the church say amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell your neighbor, lose your mind and come to your senses. If you don't have a neighbor, just talk to yourself. This will happen often in life. Those moments where in the midst of confusion, in the midst of feeling like your life is upside down, even when you're trying something new or beginning something new, ironically, in those moments where you feel like everything is out of control, that's when clarity comes. A sense of who you are and a sense of who you see yourself becomes a little bit more clearer. And I've been there a few times in my life where I ask myself, have I lost my mind? The first time when I brought my first daughter home, Uh, Me and my wife were in the bed, and all we could hear was crying. And we looked at each other, and we said, what have we done? Have we lost our mind? The second time, another time, was when uh, I went to Six Flags, and as I stood in front of Goliath, I was so excited. But as I got closer and closer and closer, And I looked up and I said, what in the, I must have lost my mind. Another time was when I I started boxing and I I was an amateur and I had my first fight. You know, it gets real when you are really in the ring. All of that practicing, you're ready, you think you're good to go. But then as you uh, hear them call your name and say, Henry, you're up. It's your time to fight. Your legs are shaking and you definitely ask yourself, have I lost my mind? 
And for most of, most of us, these moments are scary and challenging. Some are more serious than the examples I just gave, and oftentimes we feel like we've done something so wrong or so out of character that going into that situation or giving into that situation means that we're giving into fear. That's the story we tell ourselves about our journey, about those moments. But this morning, we're going to reconstruct, we're going to reimagine, we're going to refocus a message that comes from Jesus, a story known as the parable of the lost son. So as you pull out your Bibles or pull out your phones, I want you to follow me this morning, and we're going to integrate ourselves in the story this morning, and hopefully we'll find some Jews to leave from this place and take with us. Luke 15 Starting at verse 11 is where we will find ourselves this morning. Now this story follows immediately after the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And with these three parables, Jesus is demonstrating to us what it means to be lost and how heaven rejoices when the lost is found. But we're going to take it a little bit further this morning. As we look, as we look at this story, we see Jesus entering into a conversation that feels sort of like a rap battle. The Pharisees are trying to call him out and they're trying to throw shots, as the young people say these days. They say this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Basically, they're saying that this man welcomed those who we condemn. That's what they really were saying. This man hang out with the wrong kind of people, the people who we think are lost, and we don't think religious folks should be hanging around with these kind of folks. The Pharisees have drawn a line in the sand to God's kingdom. So Jesus, knowing that shade is being thrown in his direction, tells a story. And I love how Jesus orchestrates his story. He's like a lawyer, and this is his closing argument. Jesus tells the audience, there was a man that had two sons, and take note of that, he had two sons. And one of the sons, the younger son, came to the father saying, I want my money and I want it now. Y'all remember that commercial? Yeah. I don't even know if that's still out anymore, but it's my money and I want my money now. He comes asking for a portion of his family's estate as an early inheritance. He is basically saying, I can't wait until you die. I need what I, is owed to me right now. As if his father is already dead. What an insult it must have been. Not only to his father, but to his family, to his religion. He sells all that he owns and, 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 and all of the community hears about it. He basically has a yard sale of his family's possessions. He sells land, he sells animals, crops, seeds, silk. He sells all that is owed to him. And once the cash and coins are in hand, the son sets off on a once-in-a-lifetime trip to Vegas. Not really. But it works that he goes to a distant land and he begins to waste his fortune on wild living. 
He buys drinks for everyone at the bar. He stands, he stays at the finest hotel. He eats the finest food. He hangs out with the finest people. He is living what we call today his best life. And in his mind, I know he thinks that this is how it will always be. That these people that I'm eating and parlaying with, they will always be my friends. I know that he thinks to himself that this is how life should have been all along. Not me on some form with dirty hands and sore feet. That's beneath me. But the fun soon ends. And he learns a hard lesson when the money runs out and a severe famine hits the country and the son finds himself in dire circumstances. His visa card is being declined now. His American Express is maxed out. Favors run dry and friends that he once danced and laughed with, they're no longer by his side. He finds himself walking the streets looking for work. His stomachs growl as he knocks on the same doors that once honored him and they let him in when he was all on top, when his Instagram was popping. And he thinks to himself as he's walking, I can't go home because they want to sell me back. In fact, in that tradition, there would have been a ceremony performed just to show that this person is now cut off from his people. He knew as soon as he got to the gates of his community, they would burn corn and they would burn nuts and they would break him in front of him and they would be shouting if his name was Jimbo. Jimbo has been cut off from his people. He would be chastised and embarrassed. He knew that he would be denied redemption. That forgiveness would not be his verdict. He knew that the only way that he could come back is if he earned what he had wasted. Let this be your first jewel this morning. How many times have we climbed the corporate ladder or the mental ladder of success where we're feeling great about ourselves? Only to fall back. And we feel like the only way that I can feel great again is somehow, some way I get back to where I was back feeling good about myself. But God is not trying to get you back to where you was. God is trying to push you beyond where you were. Ah, he, 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 he thought that I had to earn back everything I had lost before I could go back home. So he came up with a solution. I'm going to feed pigs for money and food. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. And understand, in the Jewish tradition, they were not allowed to eat pork, touch pork, or be in a pork environment. And if you've ever been in this kind of environment, which I was a young country boy, and I grew up with chicken and pigs in my backyard, it's not a nice environment to be in. It's stinky, dirty, smelly work. Somewhat, I was afraid most of the time because pigs were 300 pounds and when you brought that corn out, they... 
smelly work, nasty work. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. He grows destiny and he longs for food assigned to pigs because no one gave him nothing. And at that moment, the young man finally comes to his senses, remembering his father. He says to himself, at home, even the hired men have food and enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as one of your hired men. Now, let's point this out. Go back to the first two parables that precede this. The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Here's a jewel. Now, in both examples, God being the sheep herder and God being the one who has lost a coin, it's the one who is searching for those that are lost. Amen? God searches and finds the lost sheep and he rejoices. God tears up the house to find that lost coin and God rejoices. Neither sheep nor coin just turn up. Right? Amen? But in this instant, in this story, the titles both have lost in them, but the process to salvation and redemption is a little bit different. The lost son comes to his senses and he realizes, I'm better off going back. Which tells us something about going back, that it ain't always bad. Sometimes you have to take one step back to take two steps forward. Sometimes that's the way to go forward. But we tell ourselves, never go back. We let our failures define us. The stories we tell ourselves. He came to his senses. And then he remembered. And when we come to our senses, we too will remember that we serve a forgiving God whose grace and mercy endures forever. When we, when, we, when we come to our senses, it allows us to have an instant reflection about what's going on around us, and it drives us to move. When we come to our senses, we look at things different, and we realize that our vision has been off all along, and what we've been seeing really ain't the case. When we come to our senses, we become more of our authentic selves and the scars that we've been carrying now become badges that we hold with pride. Because we realize that this is our story and no one else can tell it but me. When we come to our senses, we come out of our box, out of that closet, that shell, and we live. We gain strength to leave relationships, to leave jobs, to speak up for ourselves when we come to our senses. We stop compromising our values for other folks when we come to our senses. And that's when we really can worship God. When we're living out our purpose, when we come to our senses. Can't you hear him speaking though? Saying to himself, no one has came looking for me. No one has searched for me. It is up to me to put my big boy pants on and come to my senses and 
work this thing out. I have to do something, even if it's scary, even if it's going back. Can't you see him? Or the bigger question is, do you see yourself in the story now? Oftentimes we have been in a place and we've asked ourselves the question, will they accept me back? The bigger question is, we feel like we'll ask God, God, will God accept me back? I left. God didn't leave me, but I left. And now that I'm here, where can I go? Can I go back to God? And we've become afraid because we've heard people tell lies like, God don't love you because you've done this or you've done that. We've heard these lies and we've allowed it to sink into our soul and we ask ourselves the question, am I even good enough to go back? God, forgiveness goes beyond our understanding. And the closer we get to God, the closer God will get to us. That's the truth. So he goes back. He has nothing left. He is humiliated. And as my mother would say, he is broke, busted, and disgusted. He has a plan to go back and work as a hired hand because even they have food and enough to spare. And it's ironic at this stage because Jesus is so pointed in this story because he told us in the beginning that in the midst of the story that the land that he had went to had fallen into a famine. That there was a shortage of food. Everyone had little and he had nothing. But where he is going back to, there is abundance. Even at a lower status. Even as a servant in his father's house, where he is going back to, there is abundance. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't leave your abundance. Sometimes it's there where you're at, you just don't see it. So he walks. He hitchhikes back home. He left in a caravan in a limo. First class business. But he is coming back with rags as clothing and the bottom of his feet as shoes. And he expects nothing but booze and crooked looks. So he walks. But that's not what he got. Jesus tells us that his father saw him from far off. I like that. It's a jewel. His father saw him from far off, a long distance from him. Some of us, I've been a long distance from where I thought I should be, a long distance from where God was, where God wanted me to be. And at times we are a great distance away from our purpose in life. But find joy this morning, find hope this morning that God still sees you coming. And God rejoices as you get closer and closer to God. God rejoices as you fight through those battles. God rejoices as he sees you taking on initiatives and accepting change and moving in different directions. And God sees you coming. 
God is watching you as you come closer and closer and closer. And the word tells us that the father immediately turns to his servant and says, go get the biggest cow you can find. My son has returned. Go and get the fattest cow. Make some collard greens and some cornbread and some pinto beans and some cake. Bring out the best wine. My son has returned home. And then meanwhile, the older son, he, he hears about it. He sees the celebration and a servant comes to him and said, we're celebrating. Your brother is back. And in his selfishness, in his self-righteousness, he said, what? I've never, I've never had a party. They didn't even give me the skinniest calf. The skinniest goat, no collard green, nothing. No party with my friends. You never celebrated me. This is important. Here's a jewel. In the beginning, what did Jesus say? There was a certain man that had what? Two sons. And oftentimes we think that the son that left is the only one that was lost. But if you look at the story, the son, yeah, he, he was lost because he physically left. But even the son that stayed, he was lost too because his spirit was lost. Certain men had two sons. He boils in anger. And the father tries to discourage the older brother in his jealous rage. And he says, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Your brother was dead, but now he is alive. He was lost in his self-righteousness. So the story is telling us this morning there are several ways to be lost. And you must ask yourself the question, then who am I in this story? Am I the lost son, the, the Pharisee, or the servant? Are we the rebellious son lost and far from God? Are we the self-righteous Pharisees that no longer was capable of, capable of rejoicing when people came back to God? Better yet, ask yourself the question, are you feeling lost this morning? Did you come or are you coming to seek salvation, hoping to find God's love? Or are you standing on the side watching and wondering, how could God ever forgive me? I left, God didn't. Maybe you've hit that wall, you've hit that rock bottom in your spiritual life. And I applaud on you this morning that, matter of fact, I urge you this morning, come to your senses. Stop telling yourself, these lies and these stories that you've heard. God's arms are open with compassion and mercy. God is waiting on you and he, God, God sees you as you're coming. God rejoices as you are coming. You may not be there yet, but God 
sees you. So the final question is, will you come? Thank you for listening to the Park Avenue Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m.-ish. We are at 486 Park Ave in Southeast Atlanta, across the street from Grant Park, at the corner of Park Ave and Sydney Street. To find out more about us or get in touch, visit our website at parkavebaptist.com. Now go into the world that is too often unjust. Knowing that the God who created you loves you and empowers you. To love boldly. Live inclusively. And to serve creatively. Amen. Amen.